Good morning, Missio. Hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, uh, welcome. My name is Dominic, and I have the great privilege of leading this community and following Jesus. Uh, and I'm so thankful to yeah be together this morning to worship. Uh, if you're online on Zoom, welcome. We're glad that you're here as well. And we hope that you experience the love of Christ from where you are in your, your place in your home. Uh, for those of you that know, uh, I grew up in Connecticut, uh, one of six kids. My mom was originally from Colorado, though. She's one of six as well. And so all my aunts and uncles still, for the most part, are in Colorado. My grandparents were there. So Colorado growing up for me was always a very special place. Uh, I grew up a Denver Broncos fan uh, as opposed to a New York Giants fan or a Patriots fan. You know, being Connecticut, those are kind of the teams depending on where you live. But I grew up a Denver Broncos fan. And my uncles, because they, they had a business in downtown Denver with my grandfather, they got to know some of the players. So when I was 10 years old, we were out there. We used to go out annually. First game I ever went to was a Broncos game. And uh, 10 years old, we got to go to um, Greeley, Colorado, where the Denver Broncos have their, their spring training camp. And it was, wasn't empty. It was filled with players. And so myself, my younger brother, my older brother, and my sister and my uncle, we got this private tour of the Denver Broncos training facility. I sat next to Carl Mecklenburg at lunch. This guy was like a behemoth of a man. And there I was with my brother. We're having lunch at this table. We got to go in and play pinball games. It was back in the day. They didn't have the Xbox and all that stuff. Like this was back like in the late 80s. And so we're playing pinball with these guys. It was so cool. It was like one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Like this really exclusive, like access only for our family moment. I have this t-shirt actually that have all these signatures. I almost took a picture and put it up there, but I didn't want to break it out of its covering. You know what I mean? And like, let the air breathe on it. So I didn't do that, but it was just, it was just incredible. Again, this like private access moment that was just amazing. When I was in high school, a good friend of mine, uh, his brother-in-law was, was a really amazing chef. Again, I grew up in Connecticut. So I'm about an hour from New York city and down close to New York. Most people have heard of Greenwich, but there's this other town called Stanford. And Stanford's like, you know, Greenwich, but then there's Stanford. And in Stanford, there was this restaurant called Promise. It was this very fancy French restaurant. And a lot of famous people would actually come in there. And I was in high school and Paul Newman, anybody know who Paul Newman is? Paul Newman uh, and his family used to dine there regularly. And one time they decided to have uh, his like, granddaughter's birthday party there. And so, you know, there was, we were bussers and there was waiters and all this. And it was kind of this lottery to get to see who could work Paul Newman's private family birthday party. And because I knew uh, the owner, I think my buddy uh, kind of got our name, like rigged our names, you know what I mean? But so he and I got to be in there in this restaurant about this size, only Paul Newman and his family and immediate friends. Tom Cruise was there, a couple other people. I was in that room busting the tables that these people ate off of. Can you guys imagine that? Really exclusive, just this access point. It was amazing. I don't know about you guys, but this week I've been opening up my email and here's some of like the titles. I haven't even opened these because I'm just like, I know what you're already trying to sell me, but it, become a prime insider, VIP exclusive, early access Black Friday sales. Be the first to access this, access that. Do you guys see where I'm going here this morning? There's something, isn't there, that we love about privacy, exclusivity, and access. Do you know what I'm saying? As I'm rattling off these own experiences of my own, I bet each of you probably in some way, shape, or form can think of different times or different experiences that you had where it was like this exclusive private access thing that you had and nobody else had. And you just felt like, oh, some of you are going, yes, the Nike ES, oh, the Adidas ES, whatever, you know what I mean? Like we have these things that it's like, it's exclusive. And we love that, don't we? There's just something about it that makes us feel special. It makes us feel like we've got this thing that others don't. For good or better or for worse, we just, we love it. If you travel, you've got a credit card potentially, right? 
And you love when you're standing there and there's all these people waiting in line and they say, now boarding early access, uh, please go take the plane. And you're like, yep, see ya, have a good trip. You know what I mean? Or you're in the airport and you're like, oh my gosh, it's delays, it's all this wait. And what do you get? There's the VIP lounge. Who's ever been up in there? You know what I mean? Like you just, you feel so great. There's something about it that we just love. And this morning, what I want to talk about is how it speaks to our longing actually for access and exclusivity. There's something about it though, when it's presented the way that I just did to you, like the restaurant inside the restaurant or the access to the thing, we're all okay with that, aren't we? We're totally cool with it. And we long for those experiences. But somehow in some way, when it comes to be presented, when it comes to faith and spirituality, there's something inside of people that recoils at this idea or this notion of exclusivity of access. There's something about that, that when people say, oh, there's only one way to God, all of a sudden, no, 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 we don't like exclusivity. It's got to be everybody involved, everybody engaged. We've been spending the last month and a half in a series uh, going through the Gospel of John uh, called Longings of the Heart. If you've been following along, uh, we're, we've looked at in the very first weeks how um, in the beginning, uh, when God connected with this man named Moses, he called to him and he revealed himself to him in the book of Exodus as the God that is the, the, the great I am. Uh, and in the Gospel of John, what we've been looking at is the fact that uh, John makes seven, or records seven I am statements that, that Jesus made about himself. And these are really key statements. These are really important statements because what they do is they tell and explain for us who God is, what he's about, what he's like, and what kind of relationship he wants to have with us. Not only is he stating these things about himself, but he's also stating I am that the God of the Old Testament, he is, that he is the fulfillment of that. And so we've looked at these seven statements, um, one being Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And we talked about how that, that feeds and, and answers our longing for soul satisfaction. That Jesus said, I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And we long for the care and the provision of good leadership, don't we? We looked at Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And the fact that we long for revelation, we long for insight. We long to know what's coming ahead and to not have to walk in the dark and in blindness, but we long for a, a true and honest and good guide. Jesus said, I am the true vine. And we talked about how we long for deep and lasting joy, not just fleeting happiness, but we long for joy in, our, in, in the depths of our soul. We long to have fruitful lives. We looked last week or two weeks ago, excuse me, at Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life and how Jesus is answering the longing that we have to experience the miracle, the power, the hope of new life in the midst of the brokenness that we live in. We're people with longings, longings that God placed within our heart and within our soul. And this morning we're going to continue. We're going to look at in John 14, where Jesus makes a statement and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. We're going to talk this morning about our longing for access and for exclusivity. And even as I say that statement, I know there's some struggle with that. Some people struggle. And, and again, they struggle with this, this reality of I long for access, but when you put it in these, this context of faith, uh, that, that makes me feel a little funny. If you're a visitor or a guest this morning, you may have come thinking we're going to be talking about a Thanksgiving message um, so let me give you your Thanksgiving message here. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful week with your families and also uh, happy uh, First Nations Day. I think it's important that we acknowledge and, and celebrate that this week as well. But we, we felt like we wanted to finish and wrap up our, 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 our longing series this morning. Um, and I'm really excited uh, about the message that, that I believe God's word has for us this morning as we talk about this longing that we have as humans for access and exclusivity. And 
let's just read the passage and then I'll, I'll say some more. So here we go. We're going to jump in. We're actually going to start in John 13 at the end to give us the, the bigger context because it's really important that we understand the context of that statement that Jesus made uh, because it really can define, uh, redefine how we understand it. So if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open it up. If not, it should be on the screen. But we're going to start in John chapter 13, uh, starting in verse 31. And uh, God's word says this to us this morning, church. It says, when he had gone out, Jesus said, so let me pause for a second. The he that he's talking about is Judas. Okay. Jesus had just told him, you're going to betray me. And he's like, okay. And so Jesus says, get up and go ahead and do what you're going to do. So Judas gets up and Judas went out. So that's what Jesus is saying. That's what this is saying. When he had gone out, Judas has just left. Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say also to you, where I am going, you cannot come. But a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will now crow, will not crow three times until you have denied me three times. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know that the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Yeah, this is God's word to us this morning. So the scene here is that this is actually, it's a dinner party. Jesus is at a celebration with his friends, and what they're celebrating is called Passover. This is the Last Supper discourse for those of you that are familiar with the Gospel of John. And if you remember Passover, what Passover is, is that uh, the people of Israel were enslaved uh, by the Egyptians for, for hundreds of years. And remember, God sent Moses in to set the people free. If you remember that story, uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart and he denied God's request. He denied Moses. And so what God did was he brought this series of plagues, a whole bunch of them. And if you remember, the, the last plague was actually the worst. It was quite brutal. God had said that because you are hard in your heart, Pharaoh, and you're not listening, you're not setting my people free, I'm actually going to send an angel of death to come over this place. But God made a provision. And God told his people, if you will listen to me and you will obey me, I will free you from this land. I will free you from this place. And so what the people were told to do was to take a lamb. And they were to take that lamb and they were to slaughter it. And they were to take the blood of that lamb and they were to smear it on the, smear it on the doorposts of their home. And God said that when the angel of death comes this evening, you will be spared death if this, you are underneath the blood of this lamb. That is your provision. That is your safety. That is your way to life and freedom from this place. And so the people did that. And lo and behold, God kept his promise. And so the people were set free the very next day. They up and left. They crossed the Red Sea. You know the rest of the story potentially, right? But God kept his promise and he was faithful in providing this lamb that was the protection and the provision for the people to be free. This is what Jesus is celebrating this night. 
in this uh, account right here, this is what Jesus is celebrating. He's celebrating Passover. And not just Jesus, but every Israelite in this night was, was celebrating this. Jesus was doing it privately in a private access party with his friends right there. And so this is the context of this statement. This is the context of, of what we're going to be looking at this morning, is that that's what Jesus is talking about. This is the scene. That's the setting. But not only does this history take us back to this promise that God made, and him setting the people free. But it's important that we also look at the, the words that God spoke to them uh, at this time um, in making a covenant with his people at the very time of the Passover. So I want to look real quickly at Exodus chapter 6. Again, if you have your Bible, feel free to open it up. If not, I'll read it for you. It should be on the screen. But I want to look at Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, because again, this is key for us understanding the context of our passage this morning. This is God speaking to Moses, and he says this. He says, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians." Now, these are really important words, really important statement. I, I, want, I asked them to, to put it up there again, and I've underlined a couple key phrases. I want you to look at these words for a second, these key phrases in here. This is God, again, speaking through his mouthpiece Moses to his covenant people and making a covenant with them at this time. Here's what he said. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. I will make you my people and I will be your God. This is covenant language. This is the creator of the universe, God of all things, speaking words of gracious covenant to the people of Israel. These are the words of a king to his people. And even more importantly than that, the people of the day, the Jewish people, they understood this as the words actually of marriage covenant. This is why from this point on, any time in the Old Testament that the people strayed from God, that the people went sideways in their belief, that the people wandered in their thinking and in their actions, this is why all throughout the Old Testament, God uses the language of what? Spiritual adultery. He would say to his people, you have acted and you have sinned against me. You have committed adultery against me, your God. Why? Because the whole concept and understanding of the covenant of God with his people, and even the covenant that Christ makes with us as new covenant people is what? It's all within the context of marriage. It's marriage covenant language. And it's a very lopsided marriage. It's God, again, coming to us, humanity, and saying, I choose you. I want you. What would you say in response? And this framework of marriage is really important, again, as we look at this, this verses in John 13 and 14. Why? Because of this. In John 14, if we jump back there, when Jesus says these words in verses 2 and 3, when he says, in my father's house are many rooms, if, I were, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself and that where I am, you will also be. And you know the way to where I am going. See, that language right there is cultural covenant marriage language. See, in the Jewish culture back in the day in the Jesus' time, and it may still be true today, I'm not sure, what would happen would be that a young man would go with his father to the home of a young woman and her father. 
And this, the fathers would have a conversation and the, the fathers would solemnize this agreement, this covenant by drinking and sharing a cup. And the young man would say to his bride-to-be, he would say to her, I'm going to go back to my father's house and I'm going to prepare a room for you. This room is going to be our future home. You cannot come with me right now because we are not yet married, but I'm going to go back with my father. I'm going to prepare this home. This is going to be our future place. Give me some time. I'm going to go prepare that and make it right. And what I will do is I will come back and get you. And when I do that, you and I will make the journey together and we will start the rest of our lives together. I am choosing you and you are choosing me if you will say yes. Literally the language that Jesus is using in this passage. Do you hear it? Do you understand why this is so important to understand this bigger context? As we look at this statement where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. What I propose to you this morning is that statement of Jesus. When he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. It is actually one of the most inclusive statements that can be made in this world. It is literally the son of God leaving his place of prominence and glory and status, everything that he had, taking on flesh, being born as a baby, growing up through the human experience, coming to the place in this point and getting down on his knee and saying to humanity, here I am, I love you, will you have me? I'm going to my father's house, I'm going to prepare a place. You cannot follow me right now because first I actually have to go to the cross and you can't come and bear that, but I am going to bear that for you. But when I come back after doing those things and preparing this home, preparing this place that the God, the father has entrusted to me to bring and allow you to come into, I will come back and get you. I will come back and bring you. Why? Because I love you. And I'm making this covenant to show you how much I love you. And I'm going to bring you back. And at that point, you will follow me, but you must say yes to me. The invitation is being extended from me to you. What do you say? (laughs) It is the most inclusive statement I think that could be said in this world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we have taken, we've twisted it to think that that is this exclusive statement. And what I believe is that Jesus, again, is here down on his knee before the world saying, I have come for you. All that the Father has given me, I'm giving to you. I am here for you, embodying the reality of the kingdom of God. What do you say? The father has a place. He has a kingdom. And I'm welcoming you into it. And I genuinely believe that regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of gender, regardless of socioeconomics, regardless of education, regardless of any other demographic stratus that we try to set up in our system and in our society, I believe that Jesus Christ came into this world to die for humanity. And here again is getting down on his knee and saying... I'm the way, I'm the truth, I am the life. Do you want to know the Father? Do you want to live in the reality of his kingdom? The choice is yours. What do you say? I believe it's the most inclusive statement that's ever been said in humanity. But it does require an exclusive response. See, I remember the day that I asked Christine Lee to marry me. Why am I getting emotional about that? I remember prior to that, I went to my, my in-laws' house. My, my, they weren't my in-laws then, they are now. I went to their house and we had dinner. And I asked them, would you allow your daughter to marry me? I remember the day that, yeah, I picked her up and we went and we had dinner. We are at the beach, out at Cannon Beach, and I got down on my knee and I asked her, I said, Christine Lee, will, will you marry me? For those of you that have gone through that moment, you, you, you know it. You know the tension, right? 
what's she going to say? I had friends that week, literally that, that knew it was just a small handful. And they kind of asked the question. They were like, why do you think she's going to say yes to you? I'm like, oh, gosh, I guess that's a, that's a good question. You know what I mean, dudes, right? If you've been through that, you, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's that tension in that moment of like, oh yeah, that's right. She has a choice. Like I'm putting this out there, but she does have to respond for actually the, the future things that I'm envisioning. I have no control over this. This is the moment right here, literally, that Jesus is doing. If we were to look back in the gospel of John, in, in this week, Jesus had been prior using, again, uh, marriage language. He had talked about virgins preparing oil. He had talked about bridesmaids waiting and preparing for the groom to come. This whole thing, this whole dinner, all of it. Jesus has already once, if you again know the story, Jesus has already once taken off his outer robes, gotten down on his knees and washed their feet, right? And in this statement, again, what I propose to you is he's getting down on his knees again and saying to them, will you choose me? Will you say yes to me? I am here, God in the flesh, proposing to you a life, a life like you never have access to before, but I am giving you access to it if you want it, if you will say yes. And just as much as my friends were right, and again, and maybe some of your friends were right to question and go, why would she say yes to you? Maybe some of us this morning are sitting here thinking, going, why would I say yes to Jesus? Why would we do that? If he's asking for an exclusive response back, why would we say yes? I believe that Jesus uh, actually answers that question for us very clearly in his statement. So I want to talk about that. Jesus again says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Let's start with I am the way. I am the way. The word way here in Greek is the word hodos. It literally means the road or the pathway to something good. Jesus saying, I am the way. This is a path personified here in John 14, 6. He's saying, I am the road to a good and satisfying and flourishing life. And I have your best in mind. Again, that's what the young man, when he arrived with his father at the house of the young woman and her father, when he said, I'm going back. And when I come back, after I prepare the home, I will come and get you. And I will show you the way back to this place. Again, that's what? It's a place of goodness, a place of flourishing, a place where their lives can start together. The young man saying to the young woman, I have your best in mind. That's what Jesus is saying here when he says, I am the way. I am the path to flourishing and to satisfaction, and I have your best in mind. See, there were a lot of voices back in the day, in Jesus's day, saying, I'm, I'm the way, or this is the way, or that's the way. This is what we ought to do. If we want flourishing, if we want happiness, if we want satisfaction, here's what we need to do. Let me give you a couple examples. There were zealots back in the day. And the religious zealots, they, they didn't like that the Romans were there in the Roman occupation. And they were saying, we've got to get rid of these Romans. They're ruling in our nation. And we need to use violence to get rid of them. And when we do that, once these Romans are gone, then we'll be able to usher in this messianic golden age. We'll experience satisfaction. We'll experience flourishing as a people. That's what the zealots were saying. That was one voice of saying, this is the way. There was another voice back in the day of, of declaring another way, and it was the rabbis. And they were saying, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not violence. It's not religious. It's not that, but it's religious piety. And the way to Messiah actually coming back and the way to God is if we can just show God how good we are, if we could stack up all these good deeds that we can do, then maybe God from afar will look down and see and go, oh, these people are so pious and they're so great. I'll send my Messiah now to come and save them and be there. And that was one other voice that was trying to lead the people. There was a third prominent voice. They're called the Essenes. 
And the Essenes were people that withdrew into the desert. And they said, no, it's not engaging with violence. It's not engaging with piety, but it's actually withdrawing from the society and everything that's going on here. And we'll withdraw to the desert and we'll be out there and we'll embrace minimalism. We'll embrace this life of peace and, and non-confrontation. We'll just exclude ourselves from everything that's going on in the world. And, and if we do that for long enough, the Messiah will finally come. God, again, will look down and see, oh, these people are so dedicated. And there, there was all kinds of people that were shouting, this is the way to flourishing. This is the way to prosperity. This is the way. And Jesus here is saying, no, 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 no. I am the way. I alone truly have your best interest in mind. I am the path personified. I am it. If you want flourishing, if you want satisfaction, come with me. I'm here on my knee proposing to you this invitation. What do you say? In church, if you think about it today, we have all kinds of people proclaiming the way, don't we? There's all kinds of different ways being proclaimed out there by the world. There's the way of wealth, the way of status. There's the way of self-discovery. If you just figure out who you truly are, fulfill your own personal desires, do you, that's going to be it. You're going to find satisfaction and flourishing. There's all these, all these different ways out there. And Jesus comes to us in our day and time as well and says, no, 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 I, I am the way. It's me. It's me. One thing I'd be remiss maybe not to mention, I already mentioned Colorado in my, my, my intro this morning. I don't, some of you guys may have picked up your phones this morning and you saw in the news that in Colorado Springs, there was a, a killing and a shooting uh, at an LGBTQ club. Somebody went in there and they took a gun and they, they, what we know is there's five people murdered and there's 18 others injured, whatever. And what's frustrating to me about this whole thing is that what I'm being told is Colorado Springs is actually the headquarter of a lot of like Christian organizations. And there's actually some people out there saying this motivation for this person to go in there is actually being motivated by the words of a, of a Christian leader. Somebody who's saying these people, because of their choice of life, they, they, they deserve death. That's really, really troubling to me. Jesus is saying, I'm the way. Part of his way is the way of love. If I, out of hate, out of disdain for someone else's lifestyle, that's different than mine. If I go and kill them and violent to them, how are they ever going to have a way and a chance to hear to let Jesus loves them? Doesn't add up y'all doesn't make sense. But even that is one of the voices in our, in our day and age voices within Christianity that would say what we need to do just like the zealots is to use violence to get rid of people that don't align and don't understand who Christ is yet. That, that, that's, that's, that's not coherent with the love of Jesus. I just wanted to say that this morning. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Second statement, Jesus said here, I am the truth. When we hear the word truth, um, it's not so much Jesus saying a contrast between true and false, though that is it. It's much deeper than that. What Jesus is saying when he says, I am the truth, is that he's saying, I am the reality. I am the reality. See, when we think about true and false, we got to think about what? Counterfeit versus real reality, right? And that's, again, what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, there's a lot of counterfeit out there in your day and age. But if you want reality, I'm it. I will show you reality. Jesus is saying, I am the trustworthy guide. I am the one that can protect you from things in life that are trying to cheat you. 
Because again, there are frauds out there. There are fakes out there. And I am the truth. I am the reality. And when you align yourself with me, again, walking this path personified with me, Jesus, I'll protect you from fraud. I'll protect you from cheaters. I'll protect you from those who are trying to steal, kill, and destroy with counterfeit things. I am reality. And I think here's the choice that we have to make is both when Jesus says, I am the way, and he says, I am the truth. Our choice is to go, do I trust him? Do I trust that to be true? St. Ignatius of Loyola said this, said that sin is unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest joy. Think about that for a second. Sin at its core, all sin in his words, is unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest joy. Do do you believe, do we believe that God's heart, that God's posture, that God's inclination towards us is one of love first and foremost? And out of love, he desires our good and he desires our deepest joy. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. See, in English, uh, we have a lot of different words. Um, or in English, excuse me, in English, it's one word, life. In the Greek, it's, it's like a lot of different words. It's four different words. Let me read you a couple. One of the ways uh, that they said, talked about life is bios, where we get our physical, right? Biology, bios. There's also suke, which is the psyche. There's also a word that meant, I don't even know how to say it, so I'm not going to, but it meant basically like the self, like this understanding of self. And then the fourth way to talk about life was, was zoe. And Zoe was eternal life. And that's what Jesus is saying here. I'm the way, I am the truth, I am the Zoe, I am the eternal life. Another way to understand it is life beyond life is what Jesus was saying. And what Jesus is talking about here is this reality. And what we should understand this is that we all have bios life, right? This is Jesus when he says to Nicodemus earlier in the gospel of John, he says, only life gives birth to life, but only spirit can give birth to spirit. He's saying there is this bios life. And each and every one of us sitting here in this room, we have bios life. And bios life can give birth to bios life. And it's good. We can, we can eat well. We can exercise. We can take care of our suke. We can get you know, mental health. We can do all that stuff. We can engage with people in community. We can understand that self-life. But there's a certain part and aspect to us that only Jesus can help us understand and fulfill for us. And that's the Zoe life. That's life upon life. What Jesus is saying here is that I have come and I want to give you access to something that you do not have access to yourself. No matter what science is doing, I read this article the other day, actually, I I didn't read the whole thing. It was just the title. And I was like, oh, interesting. And it said, there's tests being run right now on animals, on dogs in particular, I think, to extend like double the lifespan of dogs. And I thought, oh, interesting. And y'all know where that's going, right? They want to do it on a dog to see if they can do it on me. We long for this. This is exactly the access that Jesus is talking about. I'm talking, we long for this access to life upon life upon life. And guess what, y'all? We don't like talking about it, but the reality is someday this life, this bios life is going to end. And when this bios life ends, my suke life ends with it. And when my suke life ends with it, my self life ends with it. But there is this aspect of me, this soul, this Zoe connection part of life that is going to have an eternity. There's an eternality to it. And it's going to go somewhere. I'm going to be somewhere. And Jesus is saying, I am the way, 
I'm the path personified to what is good. I am the truth. I am the reality. And I am the life. If you long for access to life upon life, it's me. And again, the son of God is on his knee in this picture, basically saying, if you want life upon life, it is yours. I'm including all of you in it. But it's your choice to respond to me. Jesus is extending to us an inclusive invitation. I believe that. But it requires an exclusive response. Because you see, when I got down on the beach at Cannon Beach, Oregon, 18 years ago, whatever, and I got on my knee and I asked Christine Lee, will you marry me? I was asking her to say yes to me. And I was saying yes to her. And you know what that means? I was saying no to every other woman in this world. You get the picture? Right? I was saying yes to her. And I was saying no to every other woman in the world. Jesus is saying to all of humanity, I'm here for you. And I want to include you all in this reality, in this life. But it's your choice. See, and I believe Jesus does desire an exclusive response. Because I can't say I'm following and walking the way of Jesus here, but then go and walk in the way of the world over here. Doesn't add up. I'm not going to experience the fullness of the invitation that Jesus is extending to me in this covenant if I'm dabbling here and dabbling here. See, one of the things that Jesus is pointing out here in this passage and all throughout the Gospels is that the life of discipleship is a life of saying all in and saying yes to a covenant with him, which means I'm saying no to many other things in the world. And that's where the exclusivity comes in, y'all. We've taken it and twisted it and said, oh, this is a very exclusive statement. Only certain people can come into this realm. No, 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 no. This is the son of God, again, saying to the world, you have the access. You, you want life? I'm it. Come follow me. It's our choice whether or not we will exclusively say yes and respond to the Savior, to the Lord, to the creator of the world, and walk with him to experience the abundance and the fullness of life that we desire. Some of you might be thinking, how can you back that up, really? Well, let me tell you and share with you about two people who Jesus is speaking to in this picture. Well, one at least, but two are in the, in, in the picture here. I started in the context of John 13 because I, I thought it was really important that we see that, what? Remember, at this table, this is Jesus and his friends. And do you remember who got up and walked out? Judas. Why? Because Jesus had already made an invitation to all of the people when he got down on his knee and washed their feet and said, I'm, I'm cleansing you. And it's what I'm doing for you now. And it's what I'm going to go do for you on the hill. That, that, is your, that is your righteousness. That is your life. And you all can be included and welcomed in this. And Judas in that moment had a choice. And he said, nope, I'm good. Thanks. He got up and walked out. He said, I'll take the silver. Did Jesus still go to the hill and die for him? Was Judas still included? This sinner, was he still included in what Christ made way for into the kingdom? I believe he was, but he made his choice to say, I'm good. Thank you. The other person in this story is Peter and Peter, we read about, right? This, it's interaction. And Peter says, you know, Peter and his, his like arrogant brash way, God, where Jesus, where are you going? And Jesus is like, I'm going there right now, bro. Just chill out. I'm going to come back and I'll show you in a minute. But where I'm going, you can't come right now, but don't worry. I'll be back. And he's like, nah, dude, I'll die for you. I'll die for you. I got you. And Jesus looks and he goes, literally, what does he say? He says, really? You'll lay down your life for me. You're about to go deny me three times, or you're about to deny me multiple times before the rooster even closed three times. Well, guess what? Peter's still in the room. And Jesus is down on his knees saying, even to Peter, I'm the way, I'm the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Peter, what's your answer? 
He's including everybody there. But they need to make the exclusive choice to say, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're better than the bag of silver. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're better than the denial and all these other things, the, the fame of people and the pleasure of people, all this stuff. Jesus is saying, will, will you choose me? Will you say yes to me? Let me, let me wrap this up. Again, I, I believe that this is a very inclusive statement of Jesus. Granting the special access that we all long for and desire. It's far better than getting into any professional sports team training facility, trust me. It's far better than private exclusive access to some celebrity's private birthday party. It's far better than only 40% off now on Nike gear. You know what I mean? Like it used to be 50 or 60, they're messing with us. But y'all, here's the thing. As I read this and I think about it, uh, there, there could be a lot of different responses this morning to the word of God. Um, you've heard me say before, I think there's the two most important questions in life ever is what is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? And I think day to day, moment to moment, we need to be going, God, you're hearing this. What are you speaking to me? And how am I going to respond? I think those are two of the most important questions we can ask ourselves. But this morning, as I read this and I think about the application for it, I, I, want, to, I want to hone in on a couple of things. I think for some of you, you've, you've been here, you've been, the, been in this room, you've been in this community, maybe you're just stepping in for the first time, but you, you've, you've been around and you've been curious about Jesus. You've been wondering, what's he like? What's he about? What is he here to offer me? Uh, this morning, potentially, this is, your, this is your day to say yes. I hope that you see in here that Jesus, when he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. I hope you'd hear and experience and understand and know that he's saying that to you this morning, that he loves you. And he's come into this world to give you, to include you in the access to the life of the kingdom. And you have an option. You have an opportunity this morning to respond and to say yes to the creator God saying to you, come and be with me. Come and live in covenant with me. And if this morning that, that, that resonates with you, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to, to talk and walk you through with you what, what that means, what that might look like. For you to respond finally, maybe to, to Jesus and say yes to his invitation of including you into covenant life within the kingdom, the fullness of it, the beauty of it, believing that he, he desires your joy. He's not mad at you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. The other response then would be those, I think, uh, some of us today this morning, I think maybe re need to renew our vows, you know? Maybe some way along the road, down the line, I don't know when it was for you, but you said yes to Jesus. You realized and you understood the, the, the implications of this statement, of his invitation to you. Somewhere in your life, you said, yes, Jesus, I, I see that you love me and you're inviting me into exclusive, you're, you're including me in exclusive relationship with you. And you said yes to him. But along the way, we, we've said yes to other lovers too, haven't we? Yeah, here and there and there and there. And we've wandered. We've committed the spiritual adultery, again, that comes with and is part of the understanding of this passage. We've said yes to other gods and to other things. And this morning, again, God's not mad at you. He wasn't mad at Peter. He wasn't mad at Judas. He's not mad at you. His heart still is only compassion. His heart and his desire for you only is your good. He has in mind your joy and your fullness. And what he's saying to us, church, this morning is I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life.
If you want to know and experience life with the Father, come with me. What do you say? Yeah, church, Jesus is offering us an invitation and a proposal into a relationship and into access like nothing else. And so I want to invite, yeah, Kelly and the team to lead us in worship. And as they come, I just, I want to say a prayer for us. Um, and so, yeah, if you would this morning, if you're comfortable where you are, where you're seating, if you would just open up your hands, you know, we're getting that holiday season and I've got kids and I know when I do this to them, what do they do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that, that's just the posture of receiving, is it not? You know? And so I want to invite you this morning, if you would, if you think that there's a gift being offered, would you just lay your hands in front of you this morning and just pray with me? Yeah, Father, this morning, we thank you for your, your goodness and your kindness. We thank you that you are the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God who is slow to anger and who is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. The God who does not hold sins against people but the God who shows mercy and grace over and over and over again. And God, this morning, here in your presence and in the presence of one another, Lord, we just, we acknowledge the longings of our heart. We acknowledge that we long for access and exclusivity into things. And we hear this morning the invitation that you extend to the world, including to us, to be a part of your family, to be a part of all that you are doing in, in redeeming this world. So Spirit, I ask that you would move in this room, move in this place. Would you bring those of us that have said yes to Jesus, bring us to a place of, of confession, to a place of repentance. To hear this morning the woo of your love, Jesus. To hear the invitation into intimacy and relationship and covenant with you. Empower us, Holy Spirit, to say no to the fraudulent voices, to the cheats and the things that would try to steal the true life and joy that Jesus offers us. Empower us to say no and to walk in the forgiveness and the grace and the righteousness, the way of life that is ours only through Christ. Empower your church to say yes today, Jesus. And Lord, I pray for those in here that may not know you yet, may, have, may not have responded to your invitation yet, those here and those online at home. Spirit, would you move? Would you encourage them? Would you bring them into a saving knowledge of your love for them this morning? Jesus, we as a church here at Missio declare that you are the way, that you are the truth, that you are the life, and we desire access into your kingdom, and we desire to embody the reality of your kingdom here in our city and beyond. And so, Jesus, we believe that there's no way to that reality and to the Father and his kingdom except through you. And so we submit and surrender ourselves under your lordship, Jesus. Would you lead and guide us to be a people that accept and walk in the way of love, extending your gracious invitation to all people in order that they might come to know you. We love you this morning, Jesus. Thank you for your faithful love for us. Amen.